0: Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance. To help you succeed in recovery and in life visit sobrietyengine.com to join today sober nation fm is also brought to you by recover health if you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com and whether you're listening to the show on spotify apple podcasts or watching on youtube please share this with your friends follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be joined by Jennifer Jimenez, who is one of the nation's leading voices in addiction recovery and has become a regular fixture on social media as well as numerous television networks. Jennifer recently became the official recovery advocate at the premier addiction treatment provider A Better Life Recovery, where she oversees client relations, business development, and national advocacy efforts. She also has an extremely impressive modeling and acting resume, which includes appearing in several TV shows, music videos, and films, which we were talking about just a moment ago. She's a very busy lady, and I'm grateful to have her here. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jennifer.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such an honor and privilege to be here. I'm so excited.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So first off, I think some congratulations are in order, like we were speaking about, you just got married to your husband Tim recently so congratulations on that
1: I, I said like about a year ago a year and a half ago like I choose to live the second half of my life happy and um, you know I had a lot of endings happening and, and I remember getting on my knees and praying and saying God it was like yet another bad relationship five years and and like I just went I, I don't want anyone in my life I know you're gonna bring me someone but not right now and when you do make it just be the one. And I had, I mean, Mm. be careful what you pray for, you know, and you ask for, and (laughs) here came, you know, Tim like nine months later into my life and I had done a lot of healing again and I learned the lessons before. Mm. And uh, I didn't believe at love at first sight. I I thought it existed for you and someone else and anyone else, but for me, I thought all the X's accumulated to that one. And when I met Tim, I kid you not, it was like from underneath my belly button, like this cord like connected to him, like this magnet. And it was love at first sight. Um, that's awesome. And to say that we are married and we are one in the union just makes it so beautiful for me. It's going to make well, me cry.
0: and you guys are a serious uh, recovery uh, power couple. That that's for sure. I see you guys all over the place. I I really love what you guys do, and you know, you just put yourself out there, and you're just real and raw and honest and and I love that. I think that's so so important now. Uh, The other thing I need to congratulate you on, huge milestone. So you just got uh, hit 14 years of sobriety as well.
1: I did. did. Thank you. Thank you. Um, January 15th, 2006 is my sobriety day. And uh, I've come a long way from the girl in the psych ward that day. I ended up trying to hang my, I I actually hung myself that day.
0: Wow. Um, Wow.
1: And I just remember, uh, I'm just diving in. Like I'm just rolling. I could make it pretty, but I'm just going to dive in. Um, I, um, I, I think about this all the time and I speak about it. So I don't forget, you know, I, yeah. I purposely don't forget. I choose not to forget because I don't want to ever go back to that. Um, I, um, I, I remember going in the psych ward and the double door slamming shut and all that from the locks. And there was a line friends and family couldn't cross. My mom was behind me crying. There's two texts holding me up and I saw this guy on the right hand. Inside and his eyes were rolling back in a chair and he was drooling and I was just like how did I get here like how did me of all people get here and there's a guy down the hallway and it felt eternal like that hallway like so long it probably wasn't but he was screaming he was getting tackled by two texts he was trying to run down the corridor naked or the hallway naked god bless him and um I was just like I felt like dead woman walking you know, just so broken and shattered. And, you know, my first drink was when I was 12. And from 12 to that day, how did I get there? You know, I just wanted that relief. Well, Um, and that's
0: so I want to ask you about that. I mean, and because you got, you got uh, discovered basically at 13, right? Yes. And so you started modeling, you blew up, you started getting all these great gigs, right? And, And so at what point did your addiction start? And how did it progress over time for you.
1: Okay. So um what with that, I my parents are from my family from Argentina. I'm first generation born in America. Grew up in Argentina, was born here in California, grew up in Argentina, i came back at six and a half, and I already felt so uniquely different. Didn't speak the language, looked totally different than the California girl, you know, the typical California girl look. And um, I just wanted to always fit in. And my family in Argentina, we love to eat. We love to eat a lot. They love to drink. We always have big dinners, lots of food on the table, so much that the drinks are on the floor. And this visual, I remember the more they poured, the longer the parties last. Okay. I remember people having fun and drinking. Cut to, I'm 12 years old. There's a lot of shit stuff going on in my family and trauma and parents are splitting and all this stuff is happening. And, um, I just wanted to feel like they did in Argentina happy. So I took my first drink, didn't know about addiction, recovery, anything like that, a disease, the progression of my disease has led me to everything. But um, Thirteen years old, Santa Monica Pier with my mom, and my brother, on a Sunday afternoon. We're playing. Uh, this photographer named Bruce Weber comes up to us. He's still to this day one of the biggest photographers in the world, and he said that I had the right look, and if I could, you know, do this thing that he was shooting the next day, it was for a big designer. My mom, we're from dirt roads and donkeys, you know, like totally different than where I grew up later on in Argentina. So my mom didn't know any better. And of course, you know, she was hesitant. I convinced her to let me show up the next day. And literally, Jonathan, my life went from growing up in dirt roads and donkeys to becoming a supermodel overnight. I've That job um, I ended up doing for three weeks. Then I did a movie um, with uh, a documentary on Chet Baker, and it actually got nominated for an Oscar for Best Documentary, Let's Get Lost, um, is what it's called. So my first real movie is a, an Oscar-nominated movie, which is kind of crazy to say. But I didn't know about that till years later. So drinking, I was 5'6 when I got discovered. I'm 5'10 now. So my body started developing, you know, and, and I'm Latin, so I'm curvy. And, you know, all the eating disorders kicked in and drinking, you know, I was, I was doing a lot of that and I was trying a lot of drugs, but I was kind of like a trash can, nothing really stuck cut to i'm close to 18 years old um it's the 90s you know it's it's it, you know you have to be you know the waif look came in all that and uh cocaine was introduced to me okay. and um that for me is like i'll never forget like when i took that first drink i mean that first i did that first line it was like i got a heartbeat for the first time you know like it just for me cocaine is my drug of choice and cocaine made me feel okay in the end Mm -hmm. cocaine betrayed me you know and it brought me to my knees uh and eventually that's what drugs and alcohol does to people um people like me i had no coping skills you know it was all about the outsides as a model you know i'm going to school my high school years like maybe two months out of the year from freshman to senior got the diploma but um the world taught me everything, you know, and, and uh, I became the provider of my family. I was bailing dad out of jail, paying for mom's mortgages, you know, putting my brother through college. I felt very responsible. And I'm so grateful my mom traveled with me as much as she did. But at times she couldn't travel with me because of my little brother in school. So the agents would promise my mom, world that I'd be looked up after when I landed in a certain country sure. and I'd land in those countries and I was all alone and there was no one taking care mm-hmm. of me I wasn't living with anyone and in those times I saw and experienced a lot of dark things so again uh-huh. more drinking more using and, and that really helped you know I it's amazing when, when I hear stories from everyone who's you know in, in recovery or an alcoholic or an addict out there using when they talk about their traumas it's like it's amazing how we've survived.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're survivors for sure. I mean, I think it's incredible that, you know, I'm sure with the things you've experienced with everything I've experienced, I'm sure a lot of the listeners have experienced, I mean, we are walking miracles, uh, you know, for sure. There's just no other way to put it. So at what point, I mean, you know, I think it's important you were talking about your family and you were saying, you know, that the party kept going, you know, that the more the drinks were getting. And I think the truth is that, that sometimes we kind of, you know, push away, it's like, this stuff was fun at first, you know, that's why, you know, the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, like it says, we did this because we liked it, you know, we drank because we liked the effect produced by alcohol. So I I mean, my question is, at what point did things start to really turn? I know you were saying you were experiencing some dark things sometimes when you were away from home. But at what point was this did you start to think like, okay, this might be a real problem for me or, or this is becoming an issue?
1: Yeah. So I, it's funny because I love that question. It made me really think about those times when I, you know, I didn't know about Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't know about programs or anything. So um, the people that were, you know, the crazy, you know, the agents and the, you know, PR people, like back then it was like, you know, agents and all the everyone's giving you drugs and drinks and this and that and you need to be skinny and measuring tapes to measure my weight and scales and they make me cringe till this day. But yeah um when I remember when I was partying with the people that I knew were partiers and they were like, you know, girl maybe you have a problem. Like maybe you should not do as much or wow. like they didn't want to hang out with me. And I'm like, wait, those people are like telling <laughs> me that I have a problem right. and like wait right. what? Like I don't get it. They do it every day, you know, and yet yeah. I was doing it every day. Um, I remember people, I have a good friend of mine and he calls me head from back in the day, you know, and we're still good friends. And he's like, head, like, I do remember this or that. And I, I remember him saying like, head, you might have a problem, you know, like, Mm. and I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, I don't, I didn't even understand, you know, except that I was playing games with myself. Like today I'm not going to drink, you know, today I'm just not going to do that. And I would do it. And then it was like, okay, I'll start tomorrow, you know, and those tomorrows kept adding up. Um, I remember I, you know, the jobs I wasn't showing up to do anymore. And they were okay. big jobs. I mean, really big jobs. Um, sure. and, um, I remember one day I was going to cop some more and I was going North on Fairfax. There's this cross street called fountain. I was going to make a right, go to my guy's house. And, uh, there's just, building and it was really early in the morning and there's these light, like the glares of the light because of the sun coming up. And, you know, I looked over and I saw all these people out there and they're all guys and they're really hot and tatted. And I was like, oh my God, like what are these hot guys doing here? Like, I love that I can remember they're hot. And uh, <laughs> I, I was like, is there is this a party? You know, cause what are young people doing? And there's a girl in the corner and she was smoking and she looked at me and she made eye contact. She's like, it's in here. You know? And I was like, Oh, this must be an after-hours. Like I can get free drinks and drugs. Like I've done that before, right?
0: Sure. Yeah. So I pull
1: over and I walk into these. You know, it took me a while because I was jonesing to get out of the car, the paranoia. And uh, I go through these double doors and I hear people in this room. And I open the door and all of a sudden there's a circle and everyone's speaking. Wah 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 wah.
0: wah. No way. So you just accidentally walked into your first meeting.
1: Yeah, happened to have been at church on Fairfax and, and, and Santa Monica. I mean, on and, uh, and uh, Fairfax and Fountain, and. Um I literally walked into a meeting in a church of all places. Wow. Didn't see the cross, didn't see, you know, I just saw a white building and uh, I see people and I'm watching everyone I sit down cause you know, I, I wanna try to fit in and I'm trying to figure out what's going on and I hear people standing up and saying their names and this guy's glaring at me like, it's your turn, you know? And I stood up and I was like, um, Josie, like my name is Jennifer, I'm like, you? Like, I'm just trying, you know, to whatever, you know? And they applauded and I waved and I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> Right? like I kid you not and uh I just was like wrong place wrong time like at first I thought you like do you have to intro yourself before the party starts like yeah just, yeah a weird thing and uh what's
0: the I, secret I, handshake yeah or the, right. the
1: sign is. or whatever <laughs> yeah and I walked out. I ended up leaving. And as I was walking out, this guy behind me says, "Jennifer." And I turn around. And I try to be all sexy and seductive. And I was like, "Yeah, jaw grinding, grinding, nose dripping." He's like, "You know, there's a meeting here tomorrow noon. You should come." And I'm like, "All right, cool, thanks." And I think like, I'm thinking to myself, like, "He so wants me, right?" Um, and uh, I remember getting in the car and just going, like, "You know, maybe I should go home." You know, uh, I could sleep this off. Yeah, I'll go home for him. I'll sleep, I'll eat, I'll shower, I'll get up like I did and I'll show up for the next day for him because he could be future boyfriend, husband. You just never knew that then. Drugs, uh, sex, they were the same thing for me at that point. And I've done a lot of work till now in my life. But, uh, and you know, that's what it was. And um, I showed up the next day for him and I came in and there's all these people from the day before and they're all hugging me and I remember this one guy grabbed me really tight and he was like, girl, you're not knocked out. And I was like, what are these fake people doing? Like, what do they want from me? You know, they're being all fake and nice. And the meeting started, the meeting ended and I've never seen him since. I think that man told me his name was Dave. I'm not fully sure. I can't remember. But to me, that man is my angel, my Eskimo. All he was saying that day was, keep coming back. You're welcome here. The seed was planted. And it's never been the same since.
0: Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, and I I kind of got into recovery just with, I I don't, you know, now I don't think there's any accidents, coincidences. Nothing like that at all. I've just seen too many things happen to to even have that type of thinking anymore. And, and that's pretty much how, you know, what you described very similar situation, you know, how I ended up in recovery. So, you know, I, I want to ask, I mean, uh, what, when you went into that first meeting, I mean, did you continue, because I didn't, I mean, I went, and it wasn't even like, I didn't even really have any thoughts. I was just not ready so the the seed was planted but I'm curious like how much more pain or or were you just like were you in it were you going at that point
1: no well I kept coming back and okay what happened was I cleaned up and I cleaned up really quick Okay. Um, I never did any internal work and I call it making it shiny and pretty on the outside I made it all good on the outside but that hole that void what we suffer from is a spiritual malady got bigger and bigger and bigger on the inside but I was so I've never said this out loud I was so used to that though like I was Mm. so used to making that hole being big in there but it was just getting bigger but making it all okay so it didn't seem any different if that makes any sense yeah absolutely Um, and in that process, though, uh, I wanted to switch from, I wanted to end modeling before modeling ended me. And I wasn't having fun anymore. I hadn't been having fun for a long time in modeling. So I studied and I loved being doing that first movie I did, you know, and being part of it. And my voice mattered. Because as a model, my voice never mattered. I was just a hanger. I was, irre- I was replaceable. There was always 20 behind me that were tighter, younger, you know, hotter. This is what they taught me, you know, back then. It's different now today, thankfully. but. Um, my voice kind of mattered as an actress, you know, and uh, I started studying intensely, and I got my first movie, which is a movie called Blow, um, and um, that was like my breakout performance, and got all these awards. And the irony of me playing a coked out Colombian drug lord's wife from the '70s. Yeah, I
0: was uh, thinking about that.
1: <laughs> <My method. laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, I um, and I I gotta tell you, I was sober in the beginning of Blow, but not in the end at all. And I say that because I it's important for people to know it doesn't matter what i would equate success to be or failure to be for me i was bound to relapse because i had done no i had no foundation i had done no inner work so The revolving door, that vicious cycle started for me, you know, and uh, I'd go to the rooms from your previous question. I'd go to the rooms when I thought the going was going tough, you know, and I'd clean up and I'd get back to the game again. I'd go back out. And again, I would do maybe one, two, and three a little bit, and that was it. And then I'd relapse. And um, and, and men became a higher power, you know, the boyfriend or him or that job. And nothing was really feeding my soul. You know, I wasn't allowing any, I didn't know any, I just didn't know any better. Um, Because I was taught for such, from such a young age that I was only as good as my next job cover campaign. So I was always trying in the people pleasing in me, you know, the codependency in me too. I was always trying to uh, like prove to you that I was enough. And if you liked me, then maybe I would like me, you know, and again, traumas from childhood um and like just putting you know a band-aid over it not even a band-aid just kind of pretending it's not there when it's literally out, um was gonna cause for more and more damage and um eventually, you know, I, I would get like a year, year and a half, maybe like, I got a lot of three months, holy moly, did I get a lot of three months. But um, at one point, you know, I'm at top of my game I'm back in, you know, I'm the it girl in Hollywood, Vogue, details, cover of this magazine, that magazine, doing every red carpet, all the award season stuff and every, you know, I'm just doing everything and I can't stay sober to save my life and and again it's that spiritual malady that like inside because there's many bottoms a lot of people go oh they haven't hit a bottom like I still have bottoms out there I know for sure I still have a bottom or five left in me now do yeah, I have a I'd
0: agree. I'd agree with that Big yeah,
1: yeah. come back I don't know I don't even want to think about it like I can't even go that I just know that I have another bottom mm-hmm. because it's it's about that spirit, that whole, it's like that inside, like, so I lose a job, so I've lost them before, you know what I mean, like, that's where the addict mind goes, Um, so I, uh, my mom and my best friend, Brandy Glanville, who was on The Housewives, she, they told me, go to treatment I relapsed walking down a red carpet um, at the Man's Chinese Theater for a really big movie I'll just say it because it's public knowledge Anchorman and uh, my girlfriend Christina Applegate was in it and uh, I'm going with down the red carpet with a friend of ours and uh, he grabs me and kisses me I grab him kiss him and the next week we're on covers of tabloids and we're like the power couple we're not we don't we love each other's friends we were only friends you know and <laughs> Um, I took that drink. There's this guy standing there with a tray inside the Man's Chinese Theater. And I just went and picked it up like that. Like, it wasn't even wow. like, what you were saying. Like, I wasn't, it wasn't even a thought like, oh, should I relapse or not? Like, it was just like, come on, game on. You know, like not, sure. it was those yets, you know, that, oh, what happened to me moment. And in eleven and a half and months, I ended up having a mini stroke, um, disconnected my jaw in a gacked out moment, blood dripping profusely. My life Oh my god. It was just, dark. And they said, I need to go to treatment. And I looked at them when my jaw disconnected and the way I just described myself and said treatments for losers. I literally said those words. And they said, we don't want to watch you die like this. You got to give yourself a shot. So I went on a two week run and I ended up checking in two weeks later and I went to a place under my terms. I love when people are going to treatment under their terms. Yes.
0: Yeah. I'm in, I'm running this. Like I'm in charge of this yeah. thing here.
1: <laughs> I still have, it's under, I still have bright ideas. <laughs> um and uh I went and I went to this place in Pasadena. Um, they shut down my short short-term memory. Uh there's a doctor there, one of the plethora of my doctors, not my main doctor. And he had called my mom and three times during detox saying I may die from the alcohol withdrawals. It was that severe. I was having so many seizures. Um and I stayed from July 12th until um, November 2nd, and I called my drug dealer as a family member. Uh, There was still more trauma going on and stuff I wasn't being able to address. Um, That was happening to me. I ended up being pregnant. I found out I was pregnant in treatment from walking in prior, and uh, I had a miscarriage, and then three months later, I was still carrying that dead baby that we thought was already out, everything, and it wasn't. and, uh, I wasn't ready to address what was going on, you know, and, and it was a lot, it was a lot of stuff happening. So I relapsed, I left for 10 weeks and, um, it felt like one long, one long, long, long night, you know, that's what that felt like. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't working. It just like, I was buying over an eight ball, I thought a day, and, uh, I could still think of Dr. Drew's little smirk he does. I was thinking of Bob Forrest, who was one of my <laughs> real counselors. He wasn't, not yeah. just when he was on that show but he uh he was one of my real counselors and he you know I was thinking about his red rub, shade red hair he had and what hat he was wearing his you hat, know and yeah like for a girl who wants to numb and sedate herself to be thinking of people in treatment or things like the shame and the guilt I mean I had so much shame and so much guilt and those voices wouldn't quiet down it was a really dark place to be in
0: that is dark you know i think one of the scariest things and and i can't help but think of it when you just mentioned uh you know what you said there and it's that you know this this substance had become my solution you know like you said like you finally felt like i found this thing that like fixed me right it filled that hole that that felt empty right and but then when that stops working that is just it's like what do I what do I do now? Like, you know, where do I go from here? So, uh, I do want to ask you. You know, there have been a lot of, you know, pretty high profile and celebrity uh, drug related deaths in the past few years. Uh, Prince, uh, Tom Petty, Mac Miller. More recently, we had uh, you know the rapper Juice World, which made you know a lot of news and. What is it, and I think you've touched on some of it already, but what is it about the entertainment industry that can really make it so difficult for someone battling substance abuse?
1: Um, that's a really good question. You know, um, some of those people you mentioned I knew, like I worked with Prince. Um, Scott Weiland was another one. He was a good friend of mine. He used to be our driver, um, and his wife, his His former wife um, was one of my dearest friends to modeling Mary Forsberg. They divorced before he was, and then he got remarried. But um, I've lost a lot of friends in the entertainment world. I mean, in general, I've lost a lot of friends from alcohol and drug addiction all over the world. Um, But uh, I I think, you know, I, I get asked sometimes like on big national network shows, like they'll be like, so Hollywood brought you down? Mm-hmm. And like they're <laughs> like, did you spend your millions on drugs up your nose? I'm like, no, right. fool. I didn't spend it up my nose on the lifestyle. Like, it was the lifestyle and drugs, you know? Yeah. Um, and letting people, you know, I, I let people take advantage of me, too. But what I really do believe, um, from my experience, is, sure. um, and from what I see from friends that I know, is that Hollywood doesn't bring you down. It's the pressures put upon you. And you put upon yourself in Hollywood. However, and I don't know if you can understand. I think you would probably be able to relate with me on this. So I start taking a pill, or I can't sleep, or I can't do that, and the Vicodin starts helping me, and I'm feeling a little bit better. And then you know I'm like, wow, I'm really creative, and in my head, you know, I'm thinking like smoking joint, you know, like yeah, I'm really out there, and I can I can tap into my character more and do this or I can feel better like I feel more artistic and it's like no I'm more sedated there's a layer protecting me from or like stopping me from being able to dive deeper and get more creative in some outlet but in my head my disease is telling me that I am better at everything you know what I mean the power of the disease Absolutely. and uh, I call it changing the world sometimes kind of syndrome mm-hmm. and it's not you know and so then you know you need uh, you know, people are like, oh, you have ADD. Like who doesn't these days, right? So take a pill for this. And then you're taking that and you're like, I feel really good. And I've done a lot. And all of a sudden you go, I'm going to take another one. And then you're taking another one. Then you're taking another one. So uh, it it, it it's, it's interesting because like you become, you know, it's so easy to get prescriptions. You, I can go to any doctor today and get a prescription. Um, I don't, but I can do that. And uh, yet they don't want to prescribe you, you know, insurance doesn't want to cover um, mental Illness uh, disorders, uh, medication, but they'll yeah, give you pain right. medication. Um, and uh, you know, I think that people just put a lot of pressures and agents and responsibility and uh, managers and you know, PR people and and this person and the producer wants you to look a certain way and they want you know that you know designer wants you to fit into their clothes for that season and you're always, you know, you're just not comfortable in your own skin and it's kind of like take a deep breath you're okay. You know, and I feel like in this day and age in society, it doesn't matter what job you're doing um, or what role you have in your life, whether you're a housewife or if you're, you know, a student, you know, parents want you to do really well and you've got to, you know, exceed at a certain level. And it's just a lot of pressures that are putting upon ourselves instead of like kind of just going, you're doing really good. You know, I've learned my new words are, I'm doing the best I can do with what I got right now.
0: I like that. Yeah, I think those those affirmations are so important. I, I think what you're saying is, you know, is that celebrities are human too. You know, I mean, you were talking about, you know, even when you were, you know, modeling and doing all this stuff, and we all have our, our insecurities, right? And, and the way you described just like not really, you know, feeling okay in my own skin, that's how I always felt. I think that that's in, you know, I'm sure a lot of uh, people in recovery can relate to that. you know I think that's maybe at the root of of everyone's addiction to to some degree is just not feeling like they fit in, not feeling like enough so I, I want to switch gears here and and you touched on it a minute a minute ago. my wife elizabeth would not be very happy with me if I didn't at least mention your appearance on Real Housewives. Oh, I love uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I, I want to bring that up because I, I think that the fact that there are women on such a popular show uh, who are, you know, on one hand, like, you know, are so glamorous and have all this money, but at the same time now, a few of them or a couple of them at least are starting to to open up about being in recovery, you know, in my mind, that says a lot about the stigma of addiction, at least beginning to change. I mean, and it feels to me uh, like being sober is kind of the cool thing these days, almost. I mean, it's mentioned in a ton of shows, movies. It's all over the place. We've got big celebrities now like Brad Pitt. Um, I was just reading about Jessica Simpson. She's come out with a memoir talking about you know her struggle with addiction and, and getting sober. Do you think that that the way that people view addiction is changing?
1: Oh, um, you know, I was just in the last probably week and a half. I've talked to a few people, um, and I got really angry in the discussion we ended up having because you know I say ignorance is bliss, um, and God bless them. But you know, I really did believe that you know there we were. I really did believe the stigma was being dropped. I did, I firmly believed it. I have to say today, that's a real. This is the first time I'm ever saying it out loud. I don't know, I feel like there's still a lot more work we need to do to break the stigma because people are still saying like, not my house, not my town, not my daughter, not my kid, not my husband. And yes, your husband, yes, your town, yes, your kid, yes, your, you know, it's happening everywhere, you know. I feel that there's been a lot of work that's been done for the positive in this movement. I am so honored to be par- part of this movement. Um, I'm proud to say I'm in recovery. I have no shame whatsoever of who I am, where I came from, and where you know what my life is about. I have no shame saying I'm in recovery at all. Um, and I learned to stand in my truth and the more we all empower each other as we're doing right now and talking about it, the more this is going to keep moving forward. You know, it's a forward moving motion. Um, I'm just kind of a little bit shocked lately, um, to hear that there's still stigma happening, you know, and, th- yeah. and that's where I'm just kind of like, I want to shake people, you know, going like it's happening, it's happening in your home and your in your on your block, you know, like it For happened. Sure.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So I I mean, and I'd agree big time with what you're saying. I mean, it it is awesome to see people that, you know, before I mean, I could almost guarantee that back in the day, Brad Pitt would not be talking about struggling with addiction or getting sober or, or anything like that, you know, I mean, he would probably it would probably maybe ruin his career you know just because it'd be like oh my god this guy's going off the rails and we don't want to work with him or or whatever you know kind of be blacklisted on this and even though that's hard to think of about you know, with Brad Pitt <laughs> but you know i mean it's it's possible and now it's like people are so open about it so that's great but i think you're right like there is still this no not not me not my family like you said not my kids not my husband whatever and it's like I don't know anyone that has not been affected by this to some degree.
1: I'm so glad you're saying that. You know,
0: period. I I really don't know any anybody, family member, and and so you know it's interesting because I, I was just gonna say real quick that like I remember sitting back and judging other people before I got sober. You know, seeing people in recovery, like God, what a you know, kind of like you were saying, what a loser, or, you know, whatever. And so I can see how we kind of like talk ourselves into, you know, I'm the person in recovery now. So I can see how, you know, people that think they're not being affected by that, I can see how they're like kind of building that story up in their minds, even if it's in their family, like crazy, or their best friend is struggling or it's like, no, it's not, you know, I don't know what that's all about.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, I know it's true. And it's so wild because um back then you know i i'm grateful i broke my anonymity and it just happened to be on a tv show you know and and i had no other option you know But once i i realized my anonymity was being broken literally on a worldly scale um and uh I get, I've gone, like when the shows were coming out, we had each one Dr. Drew, we didn't know what effect this was gonna do, right? And how much response we'd get. Sure. And the first season, it was like 10,000 emails a week for me. And I was like, wow. whoa, what is this? And how do I resp- press reply? Like, I didn't even know how to use a computer that well, you know? Um, and I just remember... Hearing people in Australia and, 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 um, and all over the world, South Africa, all, all just Europe, everywhere, like, and they still reach out to me and saying, Thank you, you know, that was me or that's my family member. What do I do about this? Or I couldn't stand you on the show, but now I get it, you know, or and things like that. And what I realized from that was that there's not a person that's not affected by an alcoholic or drug addict mm. all over this entire world. Because it may not be, it may be you, or it may not be you, it may be your loved one, your neighbor, your hapless passerby, a pl- employer, employee, a friend, someone you know is affected with drugs and alcohol are in, in the disease of addiction. Therefore, yeah. you are in the disease with them. And make mm. no small like joke about that, because it's true. If I, I love addicts, I am an addict, you know, and, And I work in addiction, so in the recovery space too. So I'm around it all the time. So I have to like really kind of go, wow, am I in the disease with them? And I have to, you know, thank God I have a lot of tools. That's what I gotta say. I got a lot of spiritual tools I work with and I got a sponsor and I still go to three, four or five meetings a, a week. It's important for my recovery. And I have, I done that always? No, in the last 14 years, there's been times where I hadn't gone to meetings for maybe once a month or something and it was dark you know and and i have to be really honest about that too because i have gone through those times and i don't want to go back to that either
0: no i'm i'm with you on that so i want to ask you because you were just talking about you know kind of being thrown on to this tv show like you did you didn't i don't want to say you didn't have a choice but that yeah. that's just how it happened right like you were out there you know here i am i'm this basically i mean you're almost just tossed in this position where you're a recovery advocate, you know, and so I mean, so I do want to ask. So I mean, why is it important? I mean, what once that happened, like you're out there, why was it important for you to continue with that and and put yourself out there? And you know, besides the fact that that people were reaching out to you, like I know what it is for me personally, but why do you feel that's it's important to tell your story and and to say like, hey, this is, this is what happened to me. Why is that important?
1: Um, that, that's a really good question. You ask a lot of good questions. Um, I, uh, you make me really have to think. Um, I, okay, so I did have a choice. And what the choice was, was Dr. Drew was one of my doctors. He mm-hmm. predicted me dead the first year. He said I was a hopeless case. He said, just go through the motions with her. She's one of those that need to die for the rest of them to live. He knew that I knew he had said that. I had taken over where I got sober in Pasadena. I started taking over all the meetings after a year or so for the meeting secretary at this meeting and that meeting. I started working, doing a lot of H&I. I I was doing, and my life was all about recovery. My sponsor, who is like, I call her OG, like style of recovery. She got sober in Crenshaw in 46 and Crenshaw in 96. When I left treatment after at nine months sober, all I did was contemplate suicide and using the first year, like turning people like blue in the face. They'd cringe when they'd see me. I'd be like, I want to die. I want to use, I want to die. I want to use. That's all I would say. Mm-hmm. And um, they, my sponsor said, I need you to go to the meetings where I got sober at nine months sober. And like, that's where my rebirth really happened. You know, these people would tell me, sit down, shut up up and listen and they're like anytime I thought I had an answer or I wanted to share they'd be like oh look what the pretty little princess has to say what it was like what is like you know they'd be like go shatter your sponsor like they taught me universal love yeah. so- that's the foundation I got sober in you know and um, it's all in the big book it was all book studies this that women saved my ass my ass and not my face I'm grateful for that men allowed me to have the you know the the decency of having given me that space to get sober I couldn't hug men for eight months or eight and a half months Um, my sponsor said she was gonna teach me how to use my words and my brain and my skills and stuff instead of my sensuality I learned that Um, I I mean I learned there was a lot of things that weren't in the program that I needed to do as well was doing the program. I did GSR for like four years. I mean, it was crazy. Um, straight, rather. I still do commitments, but like I was doing things straight. And uh, my, I took over the meetings there in the hospital, and I was doing all these things, and Drew started giving me his high-profile clients to, to sponsor for fun and for free. And uh, he did that show, Celebrate Rehab, and he was doing right. some spin-off show, and could I run the house? And I was like, I don't do reality shows. I had moved out of LA, I had gained over 100 pounds at my heaviest, I weighed 267. I've lost like a total of 130, 140 pounds, it fluctuates. And, uh, and that's a whole nother story in itself. But um, I called Hollywood chapter, like I was done. I applied at Starbucks and Target, I didn't get those two jobs. But um, I remember my sponsor, I I did that at two and a half years sober. And um, she was like, I remember it was like an aha moment. And I said, you know, to her, I said, like, well, what am I going to give them when I go there? I have no job skills. And she's like, just faith without works is dead. Go do it. And why don't you write down who you want to be and what you want to do? And it was an aha moment. Cause I looked at her and I was like, what the F am I going to give them a headshot and a resume? Like I have nothing, you know? And, and, uh, I didn't get those jobs and then Drew came to me and, and offered me to do Sober House. And he said, you know, you, it's people like you that keep proving me wrong and, and keep me doing what I'm doing. And so by doing that show, it changed the game, you know? And we, I literally was gonna run behind the scenes more and just run the show and it was gonna be about them. Okay. And day one, I opened the door and Steven Adler's high and it just changed, you know? And so I became the face and the voice of those shows with Drew. Um, the whole concept kind of changed because of the craziness that was happening happening. Um, and Mm -hmm. it was me against eight of them, you know, 24 hours a day for a month. So it was pretty crazy. Normally in a sober living, it wouldn't be like that.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: What those shows taught me was that I was strong. I was a lot stronger than I gave myself credit for. And, um, that I had a lot more fight in me. And what had happened was, um, I went on a show because I started losing the weight. And I, after the first season, I ended up, you know, In years within like three years, three and a half years losing all the weight. And I did it the right way. Um, But uh, they had me come on CNN. uh, And this is what that moment was that you asked the original question. Sorry, I have the gift of the gab. Uh, Is that um, I was doing an eating disorder uh, segment with Brooke Burke, um, Robin Quivers and two other people. And they were like talking about losing weight and this. And I was like, out of nowhere, because of what the rooms taught me, right? I was like, well, I have an eating disorder. I've had it all my life. And as a model, and dah, 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 I used to binge, purge And And I'm like, what's coming out? Like all my truth was coming out. Yeah. And uh, they were like, oh my God, that was fantastic. Like you just told your truth. Can you come on tomorrow? And I was like, sure. Like, and so I wow. started coming on these shows. Um, and one of the things I didn't come out publicly until about a year ago was mental illness. You know, I would mm. I would say it when I speak all the time, sure, but on sure. nationally speaking, um, I had a friend commit suicide that was on the young and the restless. Two days later, a male model that I used to model with when I was 14 years old was a supermodel, killed himself. And I was like I went on social media and I said if you suffer from mental illness disorders so do I. Um I suffer from depression. There is hope out there. Mm. And all these people got a hold of me and they were like what and da-da-da and all these outlets and you know TV shows. And I wanted to break that stigma too because I thought me breaking it when I was speaking all over the country for the last yeah. seven years, that was enough. But I realized I needed to do more. And, um, I've been open about that, so literally, there's not one thing I'm hiding in my recovery, you know, like I yeah. mean not that I'm hiding anything, but there wasn't any, there's nothing that I'm not talking about publicly um and I think it's important to be able to to give as much as I can you know to this movement,
0: yeah, I mean, you just mentioned you know living your truth and kind of being your authentic self and and even though you kind of in that moment you feel like you let it. Slip out. One of the the sayings or, or kind of ideas that's been in my mind over this past year is uh truth equals speed. Like Ooh. truth equals speed at, at to which I can get to the point where like I'm supposed to be or get to success. You know, and it's like when we are our authentic selves, like the stars align, people see it. Like whatever it is, I mean, it just kind of works out. But I also think, and what you just shared about you know, your journey it is such an important lesson. I think it's, it's, and I need to point this out because like, I'm just thinking, wow, that's pretty incredible. You know, I think a lot of the times we think like, okay, I'm sober now, life's going to be great. And you just described how you couldn't get a job at Target. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, but, and, and look where you are now. So things don't it's it's the growing up in public I think is what you were talking about you know it's like there has to be we have to rebuild and you were talking about you know in the beginning of our our talk here just living the second half of your life and it is like we have we're reborn we have to almost start over sometimes and I think that's for sure that's so awesome
1: yeah I, I thank you thank you so much like I um I don't have all the answers. The more yesterdays I put together, the more I know that. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. when I go to meetings and I hear old timers, they're like, man, that's great, it's so wonderful. And like, I'm like, really? Well, what manual am I reading? Cause mine isn't all the time. Like what is yeah. wrong with me? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and I think it's because I I don't try to act like I have the answers. I know I have tools. I have tools i have a i have a plethora of tools and people that i have more time than me and even less time with me that are my circle that love me unconditionally i have guides i have mentors i have i mean i have a plethora of things of of being able to pull from when i can't find the answers um and that it's trials and tribulations i mean really i'm just a teenager i kind of like that one
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: Um, but it is a rebirth you know and it's not there's been years, like, somebody asked me the other day, like, how's it been for you? And I said, well, you know, five, on my head, you know, they say you pop, but they didn't tell me I was going to start all over. And I did. I mean, one, I came out of a coma. Five, I was like, whoa, like, I'm really doing this recovery thing. And um, and seven was like magical. They say it, there's a lot of things that come with seven and it's a magical year. You should look it up because you're going to have it.
0: Yeah, coming uh, soon.
1: And then 10, I remember this old timer, I was going to do this show and he was in recovery and he was like, how are you doing girl? And I was like, I was nine actually. And I was like going into 10 and I was like, I'm just really angry. I'm bitter and I'm angry. And he's like, as long as you don't blow your brains out and you don't drink or use, you'll be fine. But you got to try not to blow your brains out because it gets dangerous right before you hit 10. I'm like, what are you talking about? I had to go back into intense therapy at 10, like, and I'm grateful for that. And, uh, 12 to 13, I was turning, getting close to 13, 12. Like I was saying earlier, it was the year, the endings in 2018 for me. And, um, I literally at one point, um, I think it was like November or so was on my third floor in Florida in my balcony. And I was like, I should just jump. Like who, who, no one would care anyways. And I went, whoa. Like the fact that I actually contemplating for a minute, like, and it was just a fragment of a second that I said that, Yeah. suicide freaked me out because I'd never thought about that and uh, I got on my knees and I was like God give me a sign I'm not getting up till this obsession leaves like it really really scared me and I had to cl- I've been very honest about that to people and 13 was just my magical year I met my husband um, and we started you know we had I'd been I went to Florida seven years ago for a photo shoot didn't know it was capital recovery life changed for me launched a magazine then that magazine no longer exists but and I started speaking all over the country and literally every month I was on like eight planes 12 planes like just speaking. Speaking, speaking I've been doing this on my own um, I meet my husband Tim Ryan we do the same thing and it was like we fit he fits my puzzle and I fit his puzzle perfectly you know and and we do it now together and we're not alone doing this journey you know and I feel finally complete you know and
0: that's so it, cool
1: I, I, am sure you feel this with your wife. Like, yeah. I feel that like, I'm not doing this alone. And yes, I have love people that love me around me, but sure. I have my partner, you know, and we work together, we live together. We live this thing called life together. Um, and it is like, it is fun. Like I tell people just sit back and eat the popcorn and watch our show because that's what we are really. Yeah. And, uh, he motivates me. And honestly speaking, he really inspires me to want to be better every day.
0: Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm kind of taking the perspective here for a moment of maybe a listener that's, that's a newcomer and I'm thinking, you know, okay, if I'm new, like, and I hear someone saying like at nine years, it was awful. And, and, but you know, what I'm hearing is, is number one, I think it's important to mention, like if someone's in a 12 step program, like therapy and, and these other outside tools are, you know, shouldn't be frowned upon like that. If you need that, like go take advantage of that. You know, that was something I did early in recovery. That's one thing. The other thing I'm hearing is, is even though there were these ups and downs and that's just life, there's sounds like there was a lot of of growth spiritually, mentally, emotionally kind of peeling back that, that layer of the onion, right?
1: Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, anyone who's listening going, God, I don't want to try to like do that or go want to kill my own think I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Right. It's just life, you know, and like the thing is the difference between someone out there using or some my real, I call my normie friends. Like when we go out, I'm like, the difference between you and I is I have to feel everything, you know, Mm. and feelings aren't facts. And those moments that I'm able to go, Oh God, I'm really uncomfortable in my own skin and however way it is that I say it. um, It's, Oh, I have room for growth. You know, here's an opportunity, um, and it's not always in those exact words. But right, uh, right. But there, there. That's the feeling. You know, um, my life. The first again, the first year was like I came out of coma. I literally believed this is what the old timers would tell me, and I still call my friends or I'll ask him to say, just tell me you believe, because they would tell me, kid, believe that we believe. Just believe we believe. That's all I would hold on to, um, and you know there is no shame, you know, whatever way, like I, Del Rey gave me the opportunity. I called it my healing land. It can also be the opposite, but I never experienced that. I would go on dates with God, you know, my understanding, I'd go to dates with God on the beach and i like that you know i'd go and swim with the mermaids because they exist and uh you know i would just do these things that like for me is my healing thing my wellness taking care of me moments and um and i still do that you know and i need my time you know and i need to do other things and the program has helped me immensely it still does there's other ways of getting sober as well, you know, and, and I'm not here to like say condemn it or not condemn. I'm just saying there's whatever way is gonna work for you is gonna work for you, then do it. You know, I I um I I feel that there's always, you know, two years from now, who knows what my life will be like. You know, I mean the sky's the limit and it's also gonna take a lot of work because it's people like you that told me that, you know, if I was sober and my line, my will was aligned with God's will that I could become whoever I wanted at any given time. And, I still hold on to that, especially when I get a lot of no's from people, you know, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, because it's people like you, Jonathan, in the program that told me that I could become who I want. I may get a lot of no's, but I'm going to still have to work through it and just change my goals or change the plan of my goals, rather, not my goals, but the plan of it, um, You know, I remember I was doing all these reality shows and I was doing the Housewives, I was doing the rehab shows, I was doing this other show, I was doing a lot of CNN. And I was like, I want to get back into acting. People are like, no, no, no. Interns of interns were saying no to me. Mm. And um, I just kept going, "Mm I'm going to keep persisting. And I I finally got an agency in my third audition. I got my first movie back. And I put it on hold. um, And about, it's been about like three three and a half, almost four years that I've put acting on hold and I've been holding on to it for about a year and a half that I want to get back into acting. And six months ago, I said to Tim, I was like, you know what, babe, I got to tell you something. He's like, what's that? And I was like, I think I'm going to get back into acting. He goes, baby, go live it, go live mm-hmm. it. Let's do it. And I held on, but I didn't say it universally. I got believe in vibration in the universe as well. Yeah. You know, all these things, yeah, I yeah. think that, you know, What comes out of my mouth, I need need to be very careful because experience has proven to me that it does come true. Um, And I said in November, the end of November, like, I want to act again, I'm ready, you know? And uh, a week and a half later, I got a call and I got an offer.
0: No and
1: way. so, yeah, like it's crazy. not, it doesn't come that easy. It's not always that easy. Yeah,
0: right, it's right. It's a lot
1: harder after this. Um, but where I'm meeting with um, one of the main actors on Friday, we'll see, I'm not allowed to say anything yet, but I'm really excited, like, because if this ends up not happening, then there's another opportunity. But like, yeah. again, like you're breathing, there's life, there's hope. Mm. Um, how are you gonna do it? And oh, her life looks easy. Like it's not been easy. You know, I, I'm the girl that ended up, by the way, hanging myself that day. I'll finish yeah. the beginning of that story. Um, I got they forgot the belt that day. And uh I put my belt through one of the objects on in my room. I secured it and I put my neck through there. And when I came to, I was in a five-point strap. And I was so upset because I couldn't live and I couldn't die correctly. And I was stuck in this hell of a vessel called me. And uh, because of the fixation, I couldn't speak, but my brain worked perfectly. It took me three months to form sentences. I shook profusely my hands my legs for nine months. I would lean over on my bed and I'd go right foot and my brain move and I'd fall. I was in a wheelchair. From a wheelchair, I went to a walker, to a cane. I freely learned to walk five, six months later. I peed and pooed myself all the time, so I was in pens. So that's what I looked like when I got sober. I remember this day I was in a wheelchair by the window um, and they had open meetings at the place I went to and I could hear everyone underneath it was like I was on the second floor and I could smell people's smoke and I could hear this chatter and I felt this feeling that i literally did not understand and in my head i said to god is it humanly possible god for a girl like me to ever feel whatever it is that they're feeling down there and if so i'll go to any length and that girl that said that that day in that wheelchair still resides so alive inside of me so i don't take a moment for granted you know and like maybe i'll take half a second for granted every now and then and then i'll catch myself you know before that moment happens but you know, I've come a long way. Waking up at 14 years sober, I just started crying in Tim's arms. I was like, I just can't believe it. Like, it's a miracle, you know, and this isn't because of my doing. You know, God had a plan, and he's using me to keep, you know moving spreading the message of hope and trying to keep helping people and speaking all over, like Tim and I go all over the country and we speak, and we talk to high schools and corporations, and you know the other day we were speaking to twenty five hundred kids and eight hundred of them of them got a hold of me on on DM on Instagram. This one girl, her name was Lily, she was eleven years old two thirty in the morning, and I was like, Lily." A, what are you doing up so late? B, why do you have your phone? And C, you need to go to sleep. And she was like, but I'm not being heard. And you know, a lot of people, a lot of kids today are not being heard. Um, There's more kids today dying from the disease of addiction and suicide than ever before. And that is scary to me. It's heartbreaking. it's just crazy, you know, I just did a TED talk uh, in November and it came out like four weeks ago and I, I've got like 90,000 views on it, which is so crazy, but I that didn't just on recovery, I did it on the dark side of beauty and what they taught me. And I morphed it into what, you know, back in the day I was, you know, I was the target. Has anything changed? And no, it hasn't. It's gotten worse. This filtered world that we're all living in today has got mm-hmm. to be smashed. It really does, um, because you could be like, "Yeah, I'm having a bad time. Ooh, pretty color. Let's take a picture. I'm happy," you know. And it's like, "Right, right." I am so tired, and I'm so happy when people are truly happy. But I am so tired of everyone pretending that their, you know, life is perfect. Because yeah. if your life is perfect, I like, I'll die, <laughs> you know. I mean like no one's life is completely perfect but I think that we're all going through different things at different times
0: for sure yeah well and when I see someone like you I mean I'm just it's tough not to feel something emotionally when you just hear a story about you know your story I mean what you just shared right there and I think that that just what is so powerful about all of this, It just it'll just strike me sometimes. Like this idea that like you, you're in a position where you're suffering to the point of where you want to end it and you attempt it. And that's what it takes for you to then get this incredible life that you have today that doesn't require you masking it with any substances or anything like that
1: no i mean
0: how is that you know it just seemed and i've had moments you know i i love that you shared that you know a good a happy cry like things are so like there was one time like sure elizabeth doesn't remember this uh but we were driving in the car and we were just going to a movie or something and i think maybe i had i don't know what i was doing something recovery related and I was just like, man, it just struck me. Like, I just started crying. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, man, my life is just so good. Like, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. How did this happen? But I think you just, I think you summed it up pretty well. It, it requires action, yeah. whatever it is.
1: It does. It really does. Um, I um, I don't forget. I just don't forget. And when I hear like... I, I think that I had to, I know I had to go through all that in order to be able to really relate, you know, and and uh, about mental illness and depression, um, I even in sobriety, I had, like I said, I've had tools, but even in sobriety at, you know, I'll go, I'd been going into depression for like maybe day three, I'd be like, oh, depression, know what this is. And so then I tell myself, I, you know, do the things that I need to do and all that. And I have to be honest, since I uh, got together with Tim, um, since we've been together, there's not been one day of depression. I haven't had one full day Mm. of going into a deep depression. And what I have learned is that I now have purpose and connection. Um and that's what we need to find. You know, besides dealing with the trauma, 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 trauma. Um, we there, find your connection, find your purpose. Like I'm a big advocate about like find your dreams, find your passion, live it. You'll find another one, and you'll live that one too, and then that one too. You know, I sit no mold. I'm not just an actress, I'm not just a super mom, I'm not just a recovery activist advocate. I, you know, I'm not just a speaker. I'm many things today, and that's what I can be because you guys told me I could become whoever I wanted, you know, and, and um I I think it's important for people to know that because a lot of addicts and alcoholics suffer from mental illness, like 75% of us. And sometimes yeah. we walk around life undiagnosed. And I did, you know, and I'm not saying that's what you are, you know, but you might right. want to take a look at that too. And great, bring no shame to that one either. Um, it's no, that's, okay. There's there's help for that.
0: Yeah, that that's a really good point. Yeah, because I think, Uh, Unfortunately, and not to go into this too much, but I think there is still, you know, even in recovery, there is still some, you know, shame, stigma, etc. surrounding, you know, mental, other types of mental illness, right, which is just, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. It's like, man, you're, you're here, you know, let's, let's take, let's look at all, let's look at this as a whole you know, not just, not just the drugs. So I, I want to ask you before we wrap up here, uh, Jennifer, what is one piece and you've given a lot of great advice by the way, but what, what is one piece of, of wisdom or advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation?
1: Um, so I can never just give one answer. However, I'm going to try. Okay. Um, I encourage someone who's out there struggling right now or contemplating having a, you know, if someone's going through a really bad day or like doesn't know if they wanna do this thing called recovery, I encourage them to try to get to know the person that they're trying to kill before they kill him or her because they might realize that they're loved and that they're worthy of being here and that they too have a story and it's up to them how they want to tell the story. And that I can hon- honestly say that I love them and I expect not a thing in return. Knowing that I have many trudging with me is 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 my payback. Um, and um, really, I guess what they told me, dream big, you know, do the work, dream big.
0: That's incredible, incredible advice. And I, I appreciate you coming on. So You can follow Jennifer on social media, of course, and you can learn more about her work with A Better Life Recovery at com. Thanks again for coming on with me, Jennifer. This was absolutely
1: awesome. Thank you.
0: Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.